0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning services to you each and every week. We are currently in our sermon series, Stories of Christmas. In this series, we are walking through Luke 2 and the stories of different people who played a role in the Christmas story. From Mary and Joseph to the shepherds and the magi, each of these stories will culminate in the birth of Jesus. So join us as we share the stories of Christmas.
1: well good morning rolling hills church family it is so good to be here with you all at the franklin campus and i know we are uh, streaming to all the campuses today so haywood hills columbia campus nolensville campus and The campus I'm slightly partial to, which is the Nashville campus, because that's where I am most Sundays. So we just want to warmly welcome everyone as we gather together as one single church family across Nashville. But today we are starting a brand new series, and it is called the Stories of Christmas. And maybe if you're anything like me, you are wondering why that word stories is plural, why it is not the story of Christmas, because. Really, there is just one story of Christmas, and it is the story of Jesus Christ being born and coming to earth. But by God's design, this one single story is meant to impact all of our stories. And so the story of Christmas really does become the stories of Christmas. And it doesn't just impact our lives here today, but it also impacted many lives back in the very first century, especially right there in Israel. And Luke, uh, Luke in particular, in his gospel, he loves to pair people together and pair stories together. So he loves you know, Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and Zachariah, Anna and Simeon, and pairing and interweaving stories together. And so today we're going to look at Mary's story, but we're also going to look at Elizabeth's story because both of their stories are incredibly important and they weave in and out of one another and they're very interconnected. And we're going to see how the story of Christmas impacted their stories. That's what we're going to do today. But as we're thinking about stories and And Christmas, because... Uh, we live in a day where the trappings of Christmas are all around us. The culture of Christmas is all around us, whether or not we are Christ followers or not. There's there's the culture of Christmas, and and I was thinking back to some of those cultural things that affected me, impacted me in my life, not necessarily spiritual things, but just what it means to 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 go through Christmas as 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 someone who lives in the United States of America. And so, when I was in high school, I was trying to earn money, and I had the opportunity to work for someone who owned his own Christmas tree lots. So when I got here on the stage today, I was like, this is what it was like. This is what it looked like, all these trees, except for they didn't have lights on them. But people were coming, and I and as I scanned this, I was like, "There's like three thousand dollars worth of trees up here," uh, based on how this worked for me back in the day. But I was I was in this little trailer; it was a very tiny trailer, and there was a space heater in there, and it was absolutely freezing. But people were coming in and out, and they would hand me like a yellow tag, and I'd be like, "Ooh, that's eighty-five dollars." They'd hand me a green tag, "Ooh, that's a big one, one hundred and thirty-five dollars you owe me," and everybody was paying with cash. I now look back and I'm like, "Hmm." Don't know about that. But anyway, everybody was paying with cash. And, and I was piling cash into this little money container. And I mean, I thought the guy who owned this Christmas tree lot was the richest man in America. Because I was only making about $7 an hour. And so, and I was selling these trees like you would not believe it. And this guy who owned the lot also happened to be our church's choir director. So it's kind of an interesting pairing there. And I I remember just working the lot, and I thought, you know, I don't know what everybody else is going to be when they grow up, but I am absolutely going to be a choir director, and I'm going to own a Christmas tree lot because – Somehow those things make people a lot of money, and I was really excited. So that was one of those cultural influences that affected my story. I loved just learning about business, and I loved the warm and fuzzies of it. it I'm, I'm not sure spiritually it was very impacting, but we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at the stories that are really supposed to impact our souls. And, and even though we think of Luke chapter 1 as the Christmas story, and it does uh, have part of that in it, remember that Elizabeth and Mary both had lived a lot of life before they ever experienced the very first Christmas. And so actually, as we open up here with Elizabeth's story, it's pre-Christmas. And not only is it pre-Christmas, but Elizabeth doesn't even know what Christmas is. She doesn't have that as part of her uh, category of thinking. And so we open up in Luke chapter 1 and we begin begin reading in verse 5. And Luke says that in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years." I love this opening few verses, five, six, and seven, because we learn so much in a very short amount of time about Elizabeth and Zechariah. But we find out that Elizabeth, uh, actually both of them, but Elizabeth can trace her heritage, her lineage, all the way back to Aaron. So if you've done a little bit of Old Testament study, you know that there is Moses and there is Aaron. And Aaron was very significant in the history of Israel. So she is able to trace her heritage. Her husband, Zachariah, is able to trace his line back to the priestly division um, in the the line of, of Judah, I believe. And so we have very significant people as far as their heritage is concerned. But they're not just people that are coasting on their lineage or who they descended from. But they actually are also living it out. Um, Luke tells us that these were upright people. These were godly people. They were blameless. Now, that doesn't mean that they were without sin. It doesn't mean that they never did anything wrong, but it does mean that they took God's word and his law very seriously, that they wanted to fulfill his commands. They wanted to please the Lord. We also find out about Elizabeth that not only was she old and past childbearing years, but she was also barren. So there were two insurmountable obstacles that Elizabeth was facing in both of them. And, and, and so when we look at all of this together, we actually should feel a disconnect. We should feel tension. Because Luke is saying, look, Elizabeth could trace her heritage to the rock stars of Israel, if you will. So could Zachariah. And both of them did not just coast on their heritage, but they actually serve the Lord. They loved the Lord. They kept his word. And then there is that, that word, that conjunction, but, but they had no children because Elizabeth was old. She was past childbearing years and she was barren. And I I think we get to that point and we think, no, Lord, that's not how it's supposed to be because they had the good heritage and they did the right thing and they pleased the Lord. And so it should say, and they had seven sons who could carry on the family name. And and we have to remember that in that time and in that culture, if you were barren and you did not have children and you were Hebrew in the Old Testament or you were a Jew in the New Testament, that was not just that you couldn't have a child it was also you had no place in society you did not have standing because for the jew everything was wrapped up in the woman's ability to be able to have not just children but sons who could carry on the family name and could give them a place in society so so think about all of her for all of her life, for years, here is Elizabeth and she's praying to the Lord and she is asking for a son and she had to be thinking, where is the God of Sarah who opened up her womb? Where's the God of Rachel who opened up her womb? Where's the God of Hannah who opened up her womb? Where are you, Lord? And she could have very easily thought, the Lord has forgotten me. She could have said, Lord, I have been faithful. I have done your word. I have, I've lived according to it. Where are you? But here's the thing for us this year, that if you love Jesus and this Christmas isn't what you hoped it would look like, you're not just in good company, you're in godly company. So if you are a Christ follower, you're not perfect, but you love the Lord and you are living according to his will. And this Christmas is not what you hoped it would look like. You're not just in good company, you are in godly company. You are in the company of Elizabeth and Zachariah. We should feel the tension in those verses. Well, Zechariah is a priest and the lot is cast and his name gets chosen to go in and to go into the temple. He is the one that is going to um, be the, the single one to go in. This only happened one time in a priest's lifetime and the lot fell on Zechariah, that he would go in and be able to light the incense and offer prayers in the Holy of Holies. And so he goes in, and while he is in there, the angel Gabriel appears to him and is actually standing on the right hand of the altar. And what does the angel say? He has to say what all angels say right off the bat. The first thing that all angels always has to say is, do not or be afraid or fear. Yes, do not fear. Do not be afraid, right? Because angels scare the living daylights out of human beings every single time they appear. And here is this angel standing there at the right hand of the, of the altar. And he says, Zechariah, do not be afraid. The prayers that you and your wife, Elizabeth, have been praying for years, for decades, has been heard. And not only is Elizabeth going to become pregnant with a child, but she is going to bear a son, and not just any son, but John the Baptist, who will go before the people of Israel to make ready a prepared people for the Messiah. This was unbelievable. And so Zechariah, he kind of goes back and forth with the angel, he's questioning, he's a little bit unbelieving, he's doubting. And so Gabriel says, look, because you have not believed this, you are actually going to be mute from this moment forward until John the Baptist is born. Now I am I'm not married, I've never been married, I don't have any children, but I just wonder if that might've been a blessing for Elizabeth <laughs> for nine months. Her husband cannot speak to her. This is pure conjecture on my part, but I think it's interesting. And then we drop all the way down to verse 24, and it says, After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. And she said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. I always get a kick out of this verse because Elizabeth is so consumed by what God is doing in her life. She says, the Lord has done this for me. The Lord has taken away my disgrace. And the reason I get a kick out of it is because she is about to give birth to John the Baptist. John the Baptist did not just come for Elizabeth. John the Baptist is a global figure who would be there to prepare the way for multitudes of people to get people ready for the Messiah. And I, I love it because uh, I love that Elizabeth gets how personal this is. And yet it's just, it's, it's humorous to me because I, I want to say to her like, Elizabeth, don't you see? This is not just about what the Lord is doing for you. This is what the Lord is doing for, for, for all people here to get a people ready for the Messiah. But I love Elizabeth's heart here, and her heart is, she's striking just the right tone, that while she understands that the Lord is doing significant, something significant in these days, she also knows that the Lord has done it specifically for her. And in my Bible, I have the word me circled. The Lord has done this for me. And I have the word my circled, where the Lord has taken away my disgrace. Because just as Jesus would come eventually to take away the disgrace from Elizabeth, God was taking away her disgrace in that moment by giving her a son, and he was doing it for her. And here's the thing, the joy of Christmas is when God's universal will intersects our personal lives. If you're going through the Christmas season and you don't have joy, it might be that you have relegated the Christmas message to the trappings, the trimmings, the activities. It might be that you have relegated the Christmas message to something that is just so universal that it has never actually come down to live in your own heart and in your own life. And this is a personal message. And that is my prayer and is my prayer for you. And as I was praying for us this week, and one of my prayers was that we would not just see the universal will of God this Christmas. Yes, we would always keep that in mind, but that it would meet us personally, that would intersect, that it would touch down in our everyday real lives, the struggles that you and I are having right now in this moment, that it would touch down right there, that it would intersect right there. And that along with Elizabeth and Mary, because Mary says something very similar, the lord has done this for me the lord has sent jesus christ for me he has taken the disgrace off of my life and that is the joy of christmas for us well mary uh, we'll pick up with mary here now that elizabeth the curtain is not closed on elizabeth yet but it moves it shifts scenes and we move over to mary now And in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end the angel comes to Mary and he says, do not be afraid. Why? Because you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. Why? Because the Lord is with you. And I have to pause in this moment because I I believe that one of the foundational fears of of, of all of us as we go through the holidays is that we would have to face the holidays alone. Whether you have family, whether you have close knit family, or you lost someone in the last year, or there's brokenness, or there's estrangement, or there's a fractured relationships, we, we so fear having to go through the holidays by ourselves. And it doesn't matter how you came in or where you are or where you are in that process. I I want you to hear today that the Lord is with you. And I can also say, along with the angel Gabriel, that you have found favor with God. Not because you've figured it all out or because you were perfect or because you had a great year this year, but because of God's son, Jesus. You have favor with God today. And the Lord is with you and he is inviting us into that relationship with himself. (coughs) We also see that not only um, is Mary just terrified and moved by this, but we're also seeing what she has to take in. Um, Even the theology and and the prophecies that she's having to take in in this moment. Because think back, Elizabeth was older. Elizabeth was rooted in the Old Testament prophecies. Elizabeth knew God's word. Elizabeth was married. Uh, she, at that point, um, was not pregnant, but there was a lot of, 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 of uh, juxtapositions between Elizabeth and Mary. Mary is single. Mary is young. Mary is a virgin. She's not married. I mean, there's so much differences, and yet the angel is coming, and both of their stories are being impacted and so Mary is overcome, she's, she's disrupted by this message. This is not a message she was looking for. She's terrified, and the angel says, listen, you are, gonna, you are gonna carry the Son of the Most High. In other words, you will have the Son of God. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. And you might think, what is the house of Jacob? Well, it's just another phrase for Israel. He is the one that is gonna reign over Israel and he will sit on his father, David's throne, and his kingdom will last forever. So there's a lot of prophecy and there's a lot of theology that is being thrown at Mary. And we don't know how much she knew about the Old Testament, but one of those prophecies goes back to 1 Samuel chapter seven, where Nathan is talking to King David and he says, listen, your throne is gonna be great and your son is gonna sit on your throne and listen king david your kingdom will be established forever well i don't know what everybody thought when the monarchy completely fell apart when nebuchadnezzar came and invaded the temple and northern kingdom was split from the southern kingdom and all of this and everybody was exiled and there was no more monarchy for hundreds of years And now, all of a sudden, the angel is here to fulfill that prophecy and says, Mary, your son is going to sit on that throne. And, And Jesus is not just coming out of nowhere here. If you go and you look at Joseph's lineage, guess what? Joseph, who Mary was engaged to, guess what line he is from? The line of David. All of this was part of the Christmas story, and it was being fulfilled in that moment. But Mary can't possibly take all of this in at the moment. And so she finally asked the question back. And in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? That is a fair question here. And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And this is awesome. Gabriel says, and consider your relative Elizabeth, Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. So the angel begins to explain some of what is going to take place in Mary's life, some of how this is going to happen. But he gives Mary a sign. He gives Mary... A living, breathing sign to go off of. In other words, when Gabriel disappears and he leaves her presence, and now all of a sudden she is... has the Son of God and the Holy Spirit has come upon her and, and she's not sure how everybody's going to react and she doesn't even know how Joseph is going to react and what the rumors are going to be and what this is going to mean for her life. And when she begins to question, when she begins to doubt, the angel says, don't worry, even though I am leaving, I am leaving you with a sign. And guess what that sign's name is? That sign's name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Your relative, the one who could not bear a child, the one who was past childbearing age, the one for whom it would be impossible for her to have a child. Guess what? She is already pregnant. She's five, six months down the road. She is a living, breathing miracle, and she will be your sign. I love that Gabriel did not leave Mary alone with just the prophecies but that he gave her another person. And here's the thing, and this is so important for us today, especially as believers in Jesus. Your life in Christ is assigned to others who are looking for hope this Christmas. We can be Elizabeth's to Mary's this Christmas. This is a time of year where people are desperate for hope. They are perhaps more open to the gospel message this time of year than any other time in the year. Because our hearts are open, we're vulnerable, we're, 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 we're around all of the celebrations, even if we don't understand what it means, our, our heart is attuned to the longing. And maybe you are five months down the road, six months down the road, a decade down the road, 20 years down the road where God has done something in your life and you get to turn around to someone else and say, look, I am a living, breathing sign of God's miraculous power in my life. I used to be this way, but he has transformed me. I used to be without hope. Now I have hope. I used to be angry and irritable and rebellious. Now the Lord has changed my heart and I love him and I love people. I, 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 my, my marriage used to be struggling. Now it's not. Uh, I went through a divorce. The Lord met me. We, we get to be a sign. And I, I got to do this just two days ago and it was such a blessing a woman who had grown up in the church and had a really, really horrible experience. And she walked away for 50, 60 some years. And, and we, we got connected and I, I got to sit with her and she's, she's receptive to the gospel. She's receptive to Jesus. And I got to sit with her and I said, do you see what God is doing? That, that I am a sign in your life. Now here's the thing, signs point places. And that sign that I am holding up to my friend is not a sign to myself. It's a sign to Christ. I say, what you are experiencing in me and in the church community when you come into our church, what you're experiencing and that joy you're experiencing, that's not because we all got together and decided we were going to believe a certain system of things. It's because the living God is with us, because he has changed our lives. We're the sign. We're the miracle, and I, I just hope that this Christmas, uh, maybe it's invitations to get people to Christmas Eve service or to Christmas um, s- services over the next few weeks, whether you're in the checkout line, wherever it might be, that we, we look for ways to be hope for people this year. Well then, um, Mary responds to the angel She knows that it's going to happen. She doesn't know how it's going to happen. And finally, she just says, look, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. This is an amazing moment. And as I was just praying over our services uh, this weekend, this was the verse that I just kept coming back to. Because Mary, she, she is... She's in this vulnerable place. She believes that God will do it. She doesn't know how God will do it. She can't possibly understand all how the prophecies are all going to come together, how Jesus is not just going to be for Israel, but for all of the world. She can't possibly take in all the, ma- the, the complexities and the magnitude of what has been spoken to her. And so finally, she just says, I am the servant of the Lord. But she just surrenders And the word is actually, the word there is actually slave. I am the Lord's slave. I surrender. And may it be to me according to your word. This is the moment of Mary's discipleship. This is the moment where Mary just says, I can't figure it all out. I don't understand how it's all going to work out. But I'm just going to say right here and now, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever your word says, let that be according to me. I'm laying down my agenda. I'm laying down my dreams for the future. I'm laying down my plans. I'm in. And I remember, uh, gosh, this I, I, I think I was only about eight or nine years old, and uh, my, my parents, it was Christmas morning. We had already opened up all of our presents, and we had uh, packed in our, our minivan to head to my Aunt Meredith and Uncle Jim's house. We were gonna connect up with lots of other relatives, and it was super exciting. And we were in the car, and uh, we were in a, our four-cylinder stick shift minivan. I know you didn't even know that that was even a thing. And we were the only family in America that owned one of these, and it wasn't because we were rich. Uh, four-cylinder stick shift. Couldn't even really make it up a hill, but it could make it to our relatives 30 minutes away. And I was in the back of that van and we were listening to Pop Radio Christmas. And it was Frank Sinatra, it was Neil Diamond, maybe Mariah Carey, I can't remember exactly, but it was song after song after song. And, but it wasn't "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree song. It was Oh Holy Night, where the world is in sin and error pining For the Savior to appear. It was songs like Silent Night, where Jesus is being sung about as Lord at thy birth. Songs like Joy to the World, where the blessing of the Lord would be found as far as the curse is found. I mean, these songs with deep and rich theology and lots of doctrine, and it was very moving. And finally, from the back seat of the car, I said, Mom, Dad, I had no idea all these people were Christians. This is amazing. I mean, every one of them, every last pop star, they're all Christians. Who knew? And they're like, oh, well, they're not necessarily Christians. I mean, they're just, these are, they're just singing these songs. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily Christians. And I said, no, I don't think you heard. I don't think you heard what Frank Sinatra just sang. He's talking about Jesus coming in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't think you heard it. Kelly, these are just just popular songs. People sing these songs. I'm like, I don't think you guys were listening to the radio. Did you guys hear what they were singing? And we went back and forth and back and forth all the way to Aunt Meredith's house. And that was honestly, that's kind of my relationship with my parents. We just batted back and forth until I was about 32 years old. And just how my mind goes and how my mind works, but there was a complete and total disconnect for me. I had no category for someone who could sing about Jesus, Lord, at thy birth and not be in the same breath saying, Lord, I am your servant. I had no category for someone who could sing about Jesus coming so he could take on the sins of the world and, and, not, and not live it. it. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, I've since moved to Nashville, and I understand radio royalties and those things. I get it now, but I did not get it then. And, and truth be told, I'm not sure that we should get it. That if, to, that if we are walking through Christmas this year, and we are singing the songs, but we haven't said, Lord, I am your servant May it be to me according to your word. I don't know that we get it. And I want us as a body of believers to get what Jesus has done for us. Because if we understand it, that will be our response. We will say, Lord, I am here. I am your servant. This is fascinating because in Luke chapter 8, all in Luke's gospel here, There's a crowd of people and they're looking to make their way to Jesus and or they're all around Jesus and then Mary Jesus mother and some of Jesus brothers come and they say hey can somebody send word to Jesus that his mother and his brothers are in the crowd and we're trying to get to him and then the crowd comes and they say to Jesus oh hey your mother and your your brother uh brothers are here to see you and Jesus stops and he goes wait who who are my mother and my brothers and everybody's like huh and he says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Go back to this moment here in Luke's gospel, where Mary, this is, this is amazing, Mary accepts her role in this moment, not only as Jesus' mother, but also as his disciple. Because when Mary says, Lord, may it be to me, according to your word, she's not just accepting her role to be the physical mother of Jesus, but she is listening to God and she's doing his will, which means that she is not just the physical mother of Christ, but she is now a family member of Christ. She's a spiritual member of the family. She's both mother and disciple. That's what it means to be a Disciple. And if we're singing about it, but we're not listening to God and doing what he says, then we may not be true disciples. And this is a, this is a pivotal, pivotal moment. Well then, because Elizabeth was a sign for Mary, it says in verse 39, it says, In those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. I want us to realize here that Elizabeth, after decades of being faithful to the Lord, decades of waiting to be uh, pregnant, finally she has her moment. Finally, the angel Gabriel appears to her husband and and, and says that she's going to conceive this miraculous birth, and she has this child that's going to be filled with the Spirit from birth. And really, when you think about all of the people who have lived Throughout the ages, there is really only one person who could possibly upstage Elizabeth in this moment. And it's Mary who is coming to her house. Because Mary doesn't just have the forerunner of Christ, she is carrying Christ himself. And Mary didn't have all of the years of faithfulness. Mary didn't have all of the years of suffering, the disgrace. And Elizabeth could have very well Ben, like, you know what, Mary, I don't think you deserve this. I think I've put in more time. I don't really want you to come here and stay with me for the next few months while I'm getting ready to celebrate the birth of John the Baptist. But Mary, Elizabeth doesn't do any of that. In fact, we see Elizabeth with humility say, I cannot believe that the mother of my Lord would come unto me. We see that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit we see that Elizabeth over and over and over blesses Mary. And this is so important, especially as we've just come off Thanksgiving and we're headed into the Christmas holidays and we're going to be around all manner of people. And, and we're going to be around all manner of relatives. And you know how this is. You, there are those relatives that you love and you cannot wait to see. And somehow those relatives are always attached in some way or another to someone that you don't want to see. That's just how this works. And and there's going to be jealousy and tension and frustration and all of these things. And I always go back to this exchange with Elizabeth and Mary because it is nothing but joy and peace because Elizabeth understands her role in the gospel story. Mary understands her role in the gospel story. And as a result, there is blessing. And so I was just thinking about this, this, and I don't know, my brain kind of went to a, a weird place this week. And I thought, what if Mary and Elizabeth were alive today? I feel like maybe they would be Christian influencers, if that's a thing. And I thought maybe they would have a little account and maybe we would have Mary and Elizabeth's Christmas tips. So here it is they've got their own account and they would say be the person people want to come visit elizabeth was a person that mary wanted to come visit why because she was a sign of hope she wasn't a sign of judgment or condemnation or being a curmudgeon she was a sign of hope that would point to jesus also be a person filled with the spirit if you are frustrated struggling jealous if there's tension this christmas Ask the Lord to fill you. Confess your sins regularly. Pray with others around you. And just ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Also, speak blessings over others. Words of blessing over others. You have to count how many times Elizabeth speaks blessing over Mary, over and over and over. Every chance she gets, she blesses Mary. And then lastly, be grateful There's going to be so much that we're going to see that we don't have, that we wish we had, that we wish things were different. Be grateful. Mary and Elizabeth's Christmas tips. Put those in your pocket, okay? Because they don't really have an account, sadly. None of this will be possible for us. We won't be able to exhibit that joy until our story has been changed by the story of Christ. And there's this wonderful phrase that after Mary and Elizabeth have this exchange, and it's found in Mary's Magnificat, where she praises the Lord, her Savior, and she, her soul magnifies the Lord. And then she says in verse 50, His mercy is from generation, to generation on those who fear him his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him that means that we can celebrate the stories of christmas not just past tense but the stories of christmas that are happening right now because his mercy is here it is now this was not just for israel In her prophetic praise, she says that his mercy is available from generation to generation. It is available for us today. And I was reading just a couple days ago in 1 Peter chapter 3, where Peter writes, and he just sums up the gospel so beautifully, and he writes, he says, for Christ also suffered. This little baby born in a manger, that he would grow up, and Peter says, Christ also suffered. And then he says, the righteous for the unrighteous. So Christ would suffer perfect, sinless, for us sinners. And then I love this. Why? So that he could bring us to God. That's the gospel that Jesus Christ would suffer as a righteous one for us who are unrighteous so that he might bring us to God. That's it. That's the beauty. There's nothing else that we can pile on to it. There's nothing that we have to go back and try to fix. There's no goodness that we can bring to it. It's just Jesus doing all of this, coming to earth so that he might bring you and me to God. And that's why I can say today that we are favored. We've found favor with God, not because of us, but because of him, because of Jesus. Our only response, our only response to that message is to say along with Mary, Lord, I am your servant. May it be unto me according to your word. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. That, Lord, you have not promised that everything will go exactly as we wish or hope or want, but, Lord, that you promise to be with us. You promise us joy and peace and hope. And you promise forgiveness of sins. And we thank you, Lord, that today, We can come to God because of you having come to earth. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you're subscribed and get notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.